Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to be here again. When I was uh, thinking about doing this two days in a row um, and where we left off yesterday, I thought of the radio announcer, Paul Harvey, when he says, and now you'll know the rest of the story, if any of you remember that. So, okay, so we're going to recite our memory verse together, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this new day. We thank you for the dawning of new possibilities, Lord. And regardless of what this day brings, Lord, we're just so grateful that you are in the midst of everything. As we learned yesterday, God, you are a God of details. You know everything and you orchestrate everything, Lord. And we are here waiting to see what will unfold in front of us with bold confidence, knowing that we can always and we should always be with you, that we are dwelling with you, tabernacling with you all the time. Take over, Holy Spirit, just have your way. Minister to each of our hearts and show in our hearts and our minds what it is that you are revealing through what we're going to see today. I ask you to bless all these people, Father God, and that we just give this completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so yesterday we covered this, a summary of the, um, we did a summary and then we dug into 35. Today we're going to do the last chapters of Exodus. So we will focus on um, that and I won't be reading every verse, which is a lot of detailed descriptions. And you would have read it all in 25 to 31. Not, not many of the words aren't, aren't even changed. It's just the tense is changed. So you will have read it. So a lot of notes I have are summary and the visuals again. So we're going to start in reading in chapter 36. Verse 1. Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all the Lord commanded. Again, notice the tabernacle design was too important to leave up to man's imagination. Everything was to be done as the Lord had commanded. It had to be his way, his perfect plan. And thankfully, Moses and the Israelites were obedient. Verse 2 and 3. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. We see that God equips his people with gifts and talents, but he also supplied the wealth. Remember Egypt? Remember when the Israelites left Egypt? The Egyptians were so glad to see them go 
that they gave them those gifts of gold and silver. And Iona mentioned this yesterday. It was like um, a voluntary plunder with God as the orchestrator of it all. God put it on their hearts to do this. Now God calls his people to turn over all these gifts for his purposes. And we are reminded here again that their hearts were stirred and they kept bringing and bringing their free will offerings every morning. We're going to jump to verse by us five to seven. And said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord had commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. It must have pleased God immensely when his people are so in love with him, so grateful for all he's done, so in awe of him that they give more than enough to support his work so freely from their hearts. And we know this was a monumentous project requiring a large amount of materials, supplies, and labor. Yet those in charge were so well organized, they knew what would be needed and collected enough, but it did not take any extra. Just as God supplies for all our needs, he ensured enough would be available and those working were not greedy to take an extra. What God commanded, they did. Not more, not less. They followed his instructions exactly. And Moses showed great integrity by not gathering more than the project needed. God told him to take an offering for the building of a tabernacle. And when the tabernacle was provided for, the offering was over. The purpose wasn't to amass endless resources, but to properly put those resources into action. In verse 8, we read, And all the craftsmen among the workmen made the tabernacle with ten curtains. They were made of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns, with cherubim skillfully worked. The holy place was covered with four coverings or tarps, each made out of different material. Colorful linen was covered by goat's hair, then covered with ram skin dyed red, then an ugly badger skin which means you didn't see its beauty unless you were inside the tabernacle. Inside, you saw the gold boards and a colorful tapestry made of fine linen with blue and purple and scarlet threads. It was embroidered with beautiful angels, but from the outside, all you could see was the badger skin. This is true, the reflection of Jesus. Inwardly, he is divine. Yet out outwardly, Isaiah 53 provides the description Jesus has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was like the tabernacle. One ta commentator noted that Christian life is also like the tabernacle. Outsiders, unbelievers, people with only a carnal look, wonder why we've pledged our whole lives for the cause of a crucified Christ. It makes sense only after you've been on the inside and you've experienced the supernatural spiritual treasures and the pleasures that are in Jesus. So continuing in chapter 36, um, in summary, verses 9 to 13 describe the work that was done to make the 10 linen curtains described in verse 8. Each length was 28 feet. Can you imagine 28 feet long and the width is six feet? 
These were fashioned together with loops made to hang them and secure them on the gold bars with gold clasps. A side note here, did you know the tabernacle had 48 beams, 100 sets of loops and 100 uh, holes? That's 248 and wait for it. That's the number of parts in the human body. That's God and his perfect design. Verses 14 to 19 describe the other three coverings that went over the linen for the tabernacle. The goat's hair covering, the total in um, which was 45 feet long and 11, uh, six feet wide. Again, loops were made from bronze clasp this time attached for connecting these curtains. The same was done for the covering of the tan ram skin and the goat skin. I thought of all these curtains and the size of them and the types of materials used and was awestruck by just the thought of how heavy these must have been, not just to work with, but to hang up and to pack up and to carry to their next encampment. So in this visual, you can see the view of the tabernacle, along with imagining the planning that had to go into this. Can you imagine the drawings, the parts lists and the other support documents needed? And as I mentioned, the sheer size and weight of it all. But as we have read and appreciate now, all of it, all of it was important. And we can appreciate now the important messages, our details are important to God and follow his instructions precisely. Verses 20 to 34 describe the structure of the tabernacle, the frames, the bases made, and the bars and the rings. Moses describes the acacia wood or shittim paneling that made up the sides of the holy place. Each board was 10 cubits or 15 feet tall and 27 inches wide. And he also describes all the fittings, no details were left out. And we, then we finish chapter 36 with a description of the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies and other details. I'll note here that I found that there were many different color and symbol descriptions I found on the veils. But I did, uh, so I didn't choose one over the other. I just chose what you see. I'm not sure why, though, because the scriptures clearly say it's blue, it's purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen were used with cherubim skillfully worked into it. I guess it's up to the reader to interpret how much color of each. So now we move on to the ark and the other objects. I love this. I'm not going to read all the scriptures, though, um, but I'll show the pictures and talk about the important details and learnings. So we move into uh, chapter 37. So that speaks of the construction of the ark, the table of the showbread, the lampstand or menorah, and the altar of incense, all these pieces being in the holy places um, in, in the covered tent in the courtyard. We start in verse one to nine with the most important item in the most important place, the ark of the covenant, the special tabernacle furniture. You can read the scripture details, but I want to remind everyone of the three items inside the ark. The stone tablets contain the laws from God, a jar of manna to always remind Israel God provides, and Aaron's budding staff. And a side note, Aaron's staff, which was a piece of almond wood, miraculously budded, bloomed, and produced almonds, indicating that God chose him as high priest. And you're going to, we're going to learn a lot more about that in number 17. The ark was placed as the only item in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, which Aaron or the high priest was the only one allowed. And he entered only once a year to make atonement with a blood offering 
for all the sins of Israel. The blood offering by the high priest was poured over the ark's contents. Sandy Adams notes, over the ark rested the glory of God. And this presented a problem. God loves us, but he can't accept us when we fail to keep the law's commands. The answer was found at the blood splattered mercy seat. It was here the priest sprinkled the blood of the sacrifice, and it was the blood that satisfied the demands of the law, and at the same time expressed the love of God. It was that lid that man found God's mercy and received his forgiveness. Next, we walk out of the Holy of Holies, and we're in the holy place in the tent where the three items are found. The table of showbread in verses 10 to 16, which was an important piece of furniture inside the place of the tabernacle. It was situated on the north side of the holy place, right as you enter it from the courtyard. The private chamber where only priests were allowed to enter and performed daily rituals of worship as representatives for the people. Atop the table of showbread are pure gold plates. Aaron and his sons placed 12 loaves of bread made from fine flour, also called the bread of the presence. The loaves were arranged in two rows or piles of six, with frankincense sprinkled on both rows. The loaves of bread were considered holy, an offering before the presence of God, and could only be eaten by the priests. Each week on the Sabbath, the priests consumed the old bread and replaced it with fresh loaves and frankincense supplied by the people. The table of showbread was a constant reminder of God's everlasting covenant with his people and his provisions for the 12 tribes of Israel, represented by the 12 loaves. And it's a foreshadowing of the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Now on the left, as you enter, it was the lampstand or the menorah. The construction of this is in verses 17 to 24. Verse 24 adds an interesting detail. Of the talent of pure gold, he made it. A talent was a unit of weight equaling 100 pounds. That's a heavy lampstand. The golden lampstand provided light for the holy place, but it was also steeped in religious symbolism. While all the elements inside the tabernacle's tent of meeting were overlaid with gold, the tabernacle alone, also known as the menorah, golden candlestick, or, or candelabrum, was constructed of solid gold. The gold for this sac sacred furniture was given to the Israelites by the Egyptians, which we've, which we've read in Exodus 12.35. The golden lampstand stood as a permanent reminder that God is the giver of life. Like all the other tabernacle furniture, the golden lampstand was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the future Messiah. It gave forth light. Jesus told his people, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. Then before you reach the entrance, uh, the Holy of Holies is the altar of burnt incense, detailed in verses 25 to 18. Verse 39 speaks of making the holy anointing oil, and the recipe can be found in chapter 38. The altar of incense in the tabernacle reminded the Israelites that prayer must play a central role in the life of God's people. Morning and evening incense was burnt every day, every month, and every year, representing the prayers of the people of Israel. It made me connect um, that whole understanding with the song Worthy of It All, where it repeats, 
Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. These are the prayers to Yahweh, God Almighty. So we now move to the um, altar of burnt offering, the laver and the basin, which are all in the courtyard. So we've moved out. Verses one to seven describe the construction of the altar of burnt offering. The altar of burnt offering was one of the most highly visible features in the courtyard. It was large. It was situated between the entrance to the courtyard and the doorway that led to the holy place of the sanctuary. No one could come into God's presence without first encountering this sizable altar. Its central location is significant for it reminded Israelite worshipers that access to God depended on the efficacy of the various kinds of sacrifices presented on it. These sacrifices were vital for ensuring that sinful, defiled people could approach God's holy presence in safety. Verse 8 is one verse speaking of the laver, which Dan covered last week, describing its bronze composition. The laver of bronze was a wash basin used by priests in the tabernacle in the wilderness as a place where they cleansed their hands and their feet. The strong warning was repeated in Exodus 30 to Moses from God, which Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet when they go into the tent of the meeting or when they come near the altar to ministry to burn a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water so they will not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so they may not die. God was serious and they knew they would never approach the holy tent without sacrifice and washing. So coming into the courtyard, a priest would first make a sacrifice for himself at the brazen altar. Then it would approach the laver of bronze, which was placed between the altar and the door of the holy place. It was significant that the altar representing salvation came first. Then the laver preparing for acts of service to the Lord came second. In my study, I came across multiple illustrations that helped me understand the flow the meaning behind how the materials, the items, and the placement are all so vitally important. So as I mentioned in the summer yesterday, the importance of the tabernacle, let's recall, the tabernacle was God's dwelling on earth. And according to Hebrews 9, 23 to 24, the tabernacle was a small-scale model of heaven. And the tabernacle gives us insights into how we should approach God, just as we, just as we shared. And the tabernacle, as we've already mentioned, is as it speaks to us, is of the person and work of Jesus Christ. It was God's dwelling on earth, as was Jesus. So now we're going to get into your bonus material. You can read about the tailoring of the most important clothes ever made in chapter 39, the priestly garments. They are designed and fashioned for the high priest, Aaron, and the tabernacle priests. Again, Dan covered this so well last week, and I want to continue on the path of this message of how the tabernacle is so important to understand how it fits so importantly in such a grand scale plan that God has. So you'll be reading 39 and 40 on your own this weekend, which was describes the priestly garments, as I said, in the construction. Then Moses inspected what was made in chapter 39, as well as in chapter 40. You will read about the assembly instructions and Moses actually setting everything in place and concluding their works with the consecration of the priests. So now let's set our mind back to the tabernacle in its totality and how it fits into God's plan. This diagram gives us insights into God's plan for the placement of each item 
and the flow representing the flow coming to God in worship and how we approach God. Once we decide to enter, and remember this is from the East symbolizing coming to God, we offer sacrifice and confession for our sins and then move to cleansing for forgiveness. Having confessed and being cleansed, we can enter the holy place to worship. And finally, we are invited to approach his throne of grace, to be in his presence, to commune with him. This is the only method prescribed by God to the Israelites to approach him before Jesus. Yet all of this is a foreshadowing or represents the importance of Jesus. Keeping that flow of worship in your mind, this next illustration we can layer in the depiction of Christ with the outer courtyard described as the way to God. The way encompasses accepting the person and work of Jesus Christ in your life with confession of sin, cleansing the gift, the receiving the gift of forgiveness, which is his grace. The holy place is a symbol for the truth. The truth encompasses Jesus as the bread of life and the light of the world. Remember the show, table of showbread and the menorah, the bread of life and the light of the world. And the holy of holies as the life. The life is Holy Spirit and dwelled in us. Living of life, of encountering his presence each and every day in all we do. For me, this was such a grand revelation for my heart, as I mentioned yesterday. And still building on this visual, this visual made this revelation even grander and made me actually gasp. Look at how God's words of the Beatitudes and the I Am statements and the Lord's Prayer are depicted in the tabernacle design. We could spend so much time on this one slide alone, but maybe another time. Um, and you guys have it in the, in, the, um, in the handouts to print and to look at. But I'd like to now come to a closing, continuing to focus on Christ as the tabernacle. The next three slides show a foreshadowing of the tabernacle, to tabernacle topics by showing what they are in the Old Testament versus what they are in the New Testaments, the Bible references and key verses. So let's move to the first. The first shows that the tabernacle in the Old um, Testament was the place where God dwelt among his people. The New Testament is God, uh, Jesus is God, and his flesh dwelling among his people. The high priest in the Old Testament is the high priest offers gifts and sacrifices for the sins in the most holy place. In the New Testament, Jesus is our high priest in the new tabernacle, the true tabernacle in heaven that was made by God and not by man. And the sacrifice, each year the high priest offered a blood sacrifice for the sin of the people. But in the New Testament, Jesus is the perfect and final sacrifice for all time. The next shows the objects, the ark. The ark in the Old Testament was the place of God's presence, constructed of acacia wood, covered in gold. Jesus, in the New Testament, Jesus is God in human form. He represents, um, it represents Jesus to us and his divine nature to us. And then the, what am I missing here? Hang on a second, guys. Something's not right here. Boop, boop, boop. Then we have the, um, Oh, okay, I do have that all done. Sorry. 
Then we move into the um, actual ark, the contents of the ark. So we have the Ten Commandments, the testimony, the tablets of law. So in the Old Testament, obviously the law was given from God for all. In the New Testament, Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. Aaron's staff with the buds represented the God's choice for priesthood and that God brings life from death in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus is the chosen high priest and is the resurrection and the life. And the pot of manna in the Old Testament is given by God as food to the people in the wilderness, daily bread. In the New Testament, Jesus himself is the bread of life. And lastly, I want to close with an illustration of how God communes with us, originally through the tabernacle and now through Jesus with the Holy Spirit in each of us, and why the tabernacle is so important today, as important today as it was over 4,000 years ago. So we see that the Israelites communed with God through the tabernacle, with the brazen altar for sacrifice, the laver of brass for washing, the lampstand, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, through the veil into the Holy of Holies, and the priests and his garments. But Christians commune with God through Jesus, Christ's sacrifice, the cleansing through confession, the enlightened by the being enlightened by the Holy Spirit, being fed by the living word, through prayer, communication, and intercession, by entering God's presence boldly through Christ and serving God and others. And why is the tabernacle so important today? Today, believers are God's dwelling place. God's holy presence is among us always. As believers, we are part of a priesthood. And the tabernacle shows a pattern of worship prescribed by God. Now let's go back to the Bible, chapter 40, verses 34. It depicts the tabernacle's grand opening, and it doesn't disappoint. Like I mentioned the summary yesterday, we are ending the book of Exodus, but I didn't feel, it didn't feel right to me not to collectively end it this time, acknowledging the book ending with God dwelling with man. So verse 34 reads, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Shekinah glory, as the Hebrews called it, the tangible, visible presence of God fills the tabernacle. Its surroundings are permeated with glory. God reveals himself in such a heavy, awesome way. His glory is so thick and overwhelming. Moses can't even enter the tabernacle just that he just constructed. The Shekinah glory is a visible manifestation of God on earth, whose presence is portrayed through a natural occurrence. The word Shekinah is a Hebrew name meaning dwelling or one who dwells. Shekinah glory means he caused to dwell, referring to the divine presence of God with us. We read the divine presence of God on earth depicted through the following as a cloud in Exodus 24 and Exodus 33 and 1 Kings as a pillar of smoke and fire in Exodus 13, and as a fire and a burning bush in Zechariah and Exodus 3. So I thought it's best to end with this message, God with us. I thought of Matthew 28, 28 20, when it was a perfect scripture to tie it together, our June theme of a disciplined body to the important me meanings of the tabernacle, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. My hope for all of us 
is to believe that these truths and understanding the meanings know that he wants to pour out his glory to such an extent that it's too much to handle. He wants to overwhelm us. He wants to blow us away with his glory, with his grace, his joy, his love, his peace, his power, and his goodness. God is great. So I found a really beautiful prayer that I've really used as a jump off point that I'd love to read over you all. Okay, just to close Exodus. So here we go. Father God, we desire to pray today. So we come to your mountain right now, seeking you. We cry out to your anointing today. Anoint us, O Lord. Only through more anointing can we carry out our work according to your will for each of us. And only by your anointing can we fulfill your plan for our lives as disciples of Christ. It was you who commanded Moses to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. Lord, you dwelt there and met your people. The tabernacle is the only place the Israelites worshipped. We see how it illustrates your pattern of worship. We see how the tabernacle holds the sequence of entering into God's presence and more effectively activating our anointing. We thank you for the tabernacle model through Moses, in Jesus, and in heaven. We thank you for the courtyard, the brazen altar, the laver. We thank you for the holy place containing the lampstand, as well as the table of showbread and the altar of incense. And we thank you for the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant and your mercy seat reside. Today, according to your word, we present our bodies to you as temples of the indwelling. Our spirit is as the holy of holies. Our mind is as the holy place. Our physical body is as the courtyard. Come, Lord Jesus, work through each of us in spirit, in our minds, and through our bodies. We directly worship you, Lord, through the temple, body, mind, and spirit. We are priests unto you. Jesus, you are our high priest of heaven. Teach us our priestly duties today. Teach us according to your ordained pattern of approaching God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the HeartStrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible boot camp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.